On this week's episode of the Friartown Pod, Matt and I will talk about the abrupt ending to college basketball as we look forward to the offseason and Providence's early activity in the transfer portal. But first, a highlight from your newest Friar. And Jim Beheim elects not to call a timeout. This is where you just put the ball in the hands of Hughes and let him operate. Hughes! No! Goodine! Yes! Timeout Wake Forest! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 5 of the Friartown Pod. I'm Nate Carrero here with my co-host... Matthew Shaker. So the last time we talked to you guys was Tuesday night. Matt and I were on here giving you our predictions for the Big East tournament. Told you to go cash in on that. And, uh, well, you could have Wednesday. But after that, you know, just not just college basketball world changed, but the world changed this week. And uh, it's it's sad, but I'm going to throw it to Matt. And, you, you know, know the- he can talked about his feelings about it because we all feel pretty strong, especially with this Providence team this year, how unique it was. Yeah, I mean, in basketball in general, the new year really hasn't brought all that much pleasantry. You're looking at Kobe Bryant passing. You're looking at the NBA being suspended. And you're looking at college basketball. I mean, the Big East tournament was called right in the middle of St. John's beating Creighton, right at halftime. So, I mean... And then, of course, you have the cancellation of the NCAA tournament. And just for basketball in general, hasn't been any good so far in 2020. No. Not the way you want to start the new decade. Yeah, not at all. It's it's sad. It's it's just crazy, like, how much I can feel the heartbreak. Like, not just, like, being a fan, but for these kids. Like, it, you could just imagine what they're going through. I mean, I would have liked to see them make an attempt at trying to figure something out like postponing it but at the same time I know they couldn't just keep going if it kept getting worse keep postponing it it was just like so sudden though the cancellation and you know what they're canceling college games because of Rudy Gobert an NBA player and Donovan Mitchell an NBA player you're not they're not canceling it because of anything that happened directly related to college basketball players yeah I wish they could have tried to find something out like in the future whatever, like, sometime over the summer or, like, whatever, to try and get this thing done because it's just so empty, you know what I mean? Like, that season, like, think about this season in college basketball. It's so sad. It's So many teams that, like... You have to feel sorry. Don't have shots, usually. This year was their year to do it. And, and, you know, that's that's the big thing right there is that, you know, the Big East, the Big Ten, you know, and so on, the major conferences, the ACC, they'll get their exposure throughout the regular season. They'll get their national exposure. But every year you have teams like Middle Tennessee State in recent years. And, you know, years ago, Lehigh Valley with C.J. McCollum coming out of nowhere. And you have guys like McCollum making their name in the NCAA tournament. And, you you know, you can't help but think whose life has been greatly impacted. Who's, what seniors would have entered the draft and gotten picked that are not going to anymore. Because yeah. they didn't get that same... They weren't seen by scouts playing at an elite level. 
it's people's lives are turned upside down. I know people's man. lives could be ruined. It's it's crazy and it sucks. It sucks. I mean, if you followed this Friar team through thick and thin this year, you know how amazing this turnaround was. And I I sent you this picture last night, Matt, from at Friartown Mayor on Twitter. And it's a graph, so one of the axes is is adjusted defensive efficiency. The other is adjusted offensive efficiency. And when you look at the graph, I mean, go go follow Friartown Mayor on Twitter. Check it out. See it yourself. Providence isn't even close to any of these teams on this graph. Like, it's big jumbles like Nova, Wisconsin, Kansas, Creighton, Baylor. They're all together. Providence is, like, in a league by itself. And it just shows visually how well they had really been playing over the past month. Overall, yeah. You know, I mean, you have teams that are going to score the ball really well consistently over the last month, and but they're not going to play defense as well. And you're going to have teams that were playing defense that weren't scoring. But with PC, you're having a team that's doing both on the lead level. Frankly, you're looking at a team that a lot of people probably would have had as going to the Elite Eight this year maybe uh, even the final four yeah. and some bold predictions i don't see any way this team wasn't playing on the second weekend of march madness like i really th- like think you could almost sharpen them into the sweet 16 yeah you know i really didn't don't think that it mattered who they ran into the way this team was playing they could beat anybody in the country they mm. were just on a roll they were just on a tear of their own and to be honest with you the the comeback that they made this year was just so great you know my father He's been following PC consistently since he was a little kid back in the early 1960s. And he said he's never seen a team make a complete flip in terms of they were just, they came out of nowhere and they just, they came back. He's never seen the PC come back like that in all those years. It was historic what they were doing since the beginning of February and the thing was, it was still rolling, and you're going into that Big East tournament, playing Butler, which you feared Butler more than your second round matchup because you're either facing St. John's or Georgetown or a Creighton team without Marcus Zagorowski. Right, which they already beat Creighton with Zagorowski. You knew they weren't going to lose to Creighton. They have the matchup there. Truthfully, you know, Creighton's locking size this year. And when PC was really hurting um, when they lost to Creighton. It was not because... It was because Creighton went too small. They started playing Mahoney at the 5, Denzel Mahoney, and PC didn't have a matchup for him. But the chances of of their center falling out again were very, very slim. You know, Bishop's a very... He's a quality player inside, but he's not Nate Watson. He can't handle 6'10", 250 for 40 minutes. Yeah, I would have. I thought whoever won that PC-Butler game was going to be a lock for the finals. I mean, whoever they ran into there, who knows? I mean, it looked like it was slated to be a pretty interesting tournament. The Wednesday night, that St. John's game was crazy comeback in the last few minutes against Georgetown. And then DePaul put on a great show against Xavier. That was a good game. Um, DePaul, the 10th seed in that tournament. Would have played Villanova in the second round. Not saying they would have beat him, but they played really well on Wednesday night. They yeah, had all their studs rolling. And you know, PC, they were just on a tear, and 
it looked like they were just not going to give up. And Ed Cooley was leading them. He was the father to the group of, of Wolves, really, in terms of they were just, they were not afraid. They were going to fight. They were going to listen to whatever Coach Cooley said. And Cooley we trust, right? I mean, really. And these this group of kids, these group of young men, shouldn't call them kids, but this group of young men, they, they were going to do whatever it took to go as far as they could. You know, when Ed Cooley first came to PC, he promised, by the time that I leave, PC will have won a national championship. And of all the great players that they've had come through here under Cooley and all the great collections of players, I can't say that the way this team was playing, that any other team would have had a better op- opportunity at that national championship thus far. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at, like, the imbalance in college basketball this year. Like, there's not really... So many teams have moved so far up and down in the rankings. You've seen teams like Butler be six in the country at one point to, like, you know... Not what, ranked. Yeah, not ranked exactly towards the Marquette's end of the season. preseason ranked 17, 18, Marquette, somewhere Xavier, 19. and that's just our conference. Never mind college basketball yeah. as a whole. I mean, Creighton was chosen to finish seventh in the Big East in the final poll. They were seventh in the country. Like, it's incredible. It is, and Greg McDermott did a coach of the year. Win coach of the year. Rightfully so, you know. I mean, yeah, it's incredible what he was able to pull off this year. Yeah, with no real true big guy. We talked about it on a prior pod that it was like a two horse race between him and Cooley, really. But. You know, how can you look over what McDermott did? I mean, Cooley, he had the comeback and everything, but in terms of the season as a whole, I mean, I'm I'm fine with him not getting yeah, the definitely. trophy. I mean, Greg McDermott managed to play a guy at 6'7", 205, and Christian Bishop at center for an entire season and get away with that. And you're looking at Nate Watson, you're at 7 in the Big East you know, going up against centers like that. And he managed to work his way around that. It's incredible what McDermott was able to do this year. And, you know, um, Tyshawn Alexander, great player. Marcus Segarowski, what can you say? He comes from a basketball family. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams is Marcus Segarowski's half-brother. Or step-brother, my fault. They share the same mother. And they're, they're a basketball family. I believe, if I remember correctly, he's got a brother that plays Division Two or Division Three, and he's got a sister that plays, I think, Division One somewhere. Oh wow! As well. Yeah, I mean, great job with what that team did this year, and at least they'll be having their pieces return next year, so they can, you know, make up probably a similar run towards. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Big East next year. Yeah, you know, they very well could. At the same time, you can't ever forget about Villanova and the fact that Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a borderline top 15 overall college player in the nation coming into this, um, I'm sorry, high school player coming into college this past year in the nation. And he's going to have another year under his belt. He's going to have, I should say, he's going to have a full year under his belt going into next season. And that's just going to be scary. It really is. But we have some big news here at Friartown today, I'd say. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that was 
That was quick. <laughs> oh, it sure was. I mean, I don't even think that was 48 hours, and we already locked him up. Providence, uh, Bryson Goodine from Syracuse, a local kid. He was born in um, his hometown was New Bedford, Mass. He went to St. Andrews in Barrington. And before so, he went to St. Andrews, he played at Bishop Stang High School in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, where the town that you currently work in. Uh, yes, one of my... Many jobs. And that I currently go to school in. A couple jobs. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was in high school, we played basketball against them. Granted, I was in high school a couple of years before him, but... Uh, yeah, you know, he's a local kid. He said that he's been on PC's campus numerous times. He never had to take an official visit, or even an unofficial unofficial visit. I mean, unofficial official visit, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, you know, he's been there numerous times. He played AAU, I believe you mentioned earlier, with David Duke. Yeah, from what I read, he talked to David Duke and Ed Cooley, and he found that he wanted to be close to home, and PC was looked like the best fit for him. And you know, as Bryson, if you're listening, I we really hope that you enjoy your time here at PC, and we're glad to have you. Yeah, so I don't think it's become clear if he's going to be a sit one play three, or if he's going to be able to just jump right into game action. Right. So they haven't year. made that clear yet. So the NCAA, you never know. They have all these rules around. They have the hardship rules and that complicate things as it is. But now with the NCAA tournament not being played and spring sports being canceled in a lot of conferences, actually it may have been all the NCAAs, I'm not sure, but those kids being granted an extra year of eligibility, they're saying that they might do the same for winter sports. If the same thing happens with winter sports, my belief from what I've heard and my understanding is that Goodheim would be eligible to play right away. Oh, wow. So that would um, crowd the backcourt of Providence next year. In a, a positive bit, way. But, though, yeah, say. exactly. A positive way. You know, he struggled last year at Syracuse, but he was hurt. And something, too, is he, he came in and he was a pure shooter. He was a pure scorer. What he wasn't was a pure point guard. And historically, you know, Beheim he likes big point guards. And at 6'3", 6'4", he wanted Goodine to develop into a point guard. The only thing was, Goodine had never played the point guard position before. And it's a learning process. Yeah, I mean, from what I've read up on him, he's more of that combo guard. Like now. David Duke. Yeah, and that would be great coming off the bench. I mean, obviously losing Malik White, um, you know. You're thinking that Reeves is probably going to play the three. They're going to need a two guy next to Duke. Well, it gives you some Him versatility. Or Bynum. Well, Bynum's going to start, I would think. Yeah. Considering they started at St. Joseph's, he's the only true point guard that's on the roster this coming yeah. season. And when Bynum was at St. Joseph's, he absolutely tore it up. You know, he was so, so good at St. Joseph's. I get it's a little lesser conference, but that shouldn't take away the fact that he averaged as a freshman. Eleven and a half points, four and a half assists, one and a one and a half steals per game, and over three and a half rebounds. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking that all day. No, I mean, oh, hundred percent. You can definitely put up those numbers. And he shot almost thirty five percent from three. The Big East level, I would think. Oh yeah. And plus, we're gonna get three years of him. We get three years of Goodine. I mean, you're pretty set at the guard position moving forward, especially considering Duke and Reeves also have two more years left on their tenure. Breed, 
I mean... When you say Duke and Reese, two more years, you mean three more years. I'm sorry, two more... You're right, two more years. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, you have Breed coming in. Who's a, they say he can score from anywhere on the court. Who knows? We can only hope. But, you know, you have Goodon coming in. You're going to have him with Reeves. You're going to have him with Duke. You're going to have him with Bonham. And, obviously, Breed. And with that group of guys, that gives you some flexibility because you can play Reeves with any combination of any two of those guys. Or you can play Reeves with only one of those guys. Depending on what lineup Cooley wants to go with, given the matchup, or given the personnel that's available on a particular day, sickness, injury, you never know. He's got some... It gives him some options. Yeah, for sure. Goodine did not um get too much playing time at Syracuse this year. He played about nine minutes a game, scored two points, averaged an assist, averaged a rebound, so was never really in there. Um, he did have a game winner against Wake Forest, as you heard earlier to open our pod. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to be... It's something that PC, now they don't, you know, have to worry about recruiting that guard as much. It, fill, it fills a hole. Maybe recruit bigger men because they have two more scholarships open for next year. You were showing me the picture yeah, um, they do. of the breakdown by class, and I believe they had two more scholarships open. Yeah, you know, for next season, you're looking at, for the 2021, I'm sorry, for the 2020-2021 season, you're looking at two open scholarships. You're looking at Noah Horschler and Nate Watson as your only seniors. You're looking at Duke and Reeves as your only juniors. As your sophomores, you're looking at Bynum, Chris Monroe, and Jimmy Nichols, who are both just redshirted, Bryson Goodine, and Greg Gant. As freshmen, you look right now you're looking at Alan Breed and Jair Davis. Speaking of which, Jair Davis is an interesting player because there's not a lot out there on what type of player he is. Most of what you can find says that he was one of the top-ranked players in his class before injury, and then teams pretty much forgot about him, except for Cooley. And that's one of the reasons why he decided to come to PC. But anyways, getting back to what I was saying, they get for the 2021-2022 season, they have four open scholarships right now. And they have no true big men on the roster for that season because Horschler and Watson are really real true big men. Jimmy Nichols is more of a forward, a 6'7", 6'8", but he's skinny. Greg Gantz, same way. And those right now are your two best bets to be playing center on paper right now, based on the current team. They need to, into the 2021-2022 season, they have four open scholarships. you got to get at least one big guy there. Yeah, and you would hope that maybe they can get one out of the way here. I mean, a lot of players entering transfer portals, um, Ed Croswell, we were looking at him at LaSalle. He's going to uh, enter the portal. Yeah, you know, he's a terrific rebounder. And he would be, you know, great in terms of size. Yeah. He's, For Providence? He's 6'8", 249. He's an inside player. He's a he's a good ball player, very good. Uh, 21.1 minutes per game, started 25 games last year. He's not an outside shooter. He didn't attempt. He hasn't attempted a three in his two years of college. But in that 21 minutes per game, he averaged 10 points and almost 7.5 rebounds. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, that per is. 40, for, per 40 minutes, he's averaging 19 and almost 14 rebounds a game. Yeah. 
I mean, that is, that is some stud stuff. And even if he doesn't replicate those numbers, if they're stepped down, whatever, playing in the Big East. You know, he's still going to be a quality player. Exactly. He's exactly. still going to be an above average player. He'll put up Nate Watson like numbers. Yeah, and you know, I wouldn't call him. He's more of a forward than Nate Watson is. Yeah. Nate Watson's more of a traditional inside, going to bang you around center. Croswell's sort of. He's more of like Diallo, but without an outside shot. More like Pascal, but without an outside shot. Eric Pascal. And, you know, Eric Pascal, he actually might be a decent comparison given the size and the fact that they neither one of them came from huge schools. You know, Eric Pascal really come from Fordham, I believe. And PC was going after him. And, yeah, I mean, Pascal played as a small ball of five for Villanova. He's doing things in the NBA. Yeah, this you know year. he's averaging what fourteen and six, something like that. And yeah, it's cool to see. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he he played a year at Fordham, and while he was at Fordham, he averaged sixteen points, five and a half rebounds. He actually did shoot the ball from three that year. I didn't realize that, but he really transformed his game into becoming more of an inside player um, for Villanova. And you know, it, players in today's game. They're constantly transforming their games. You got inside players that learn how to play outside more often than there are pl- outside players learning to play inside, but you still have guys that are learning how to play inside. Yeah. And and that's what Pascal was able to do. And with the modern game develop, becoming more of an outside game, I don't see any reason why Croswells couldn't pull that off. Exactly. Become a competent PC. PC could, like we said, they could really use that side, especially next year they're going to lose their two biggest players. Yeah, you know, speaking of recruits, there's actually uh, a kid named Witnitzer. He's a big-time center recruit that PC's going after for next year, and he's an outside shooter. That would be nice to have a big man that can do that. It's been a while. Bentle Bentle shot that shot a decent amount, but... Really, other than that, I can't think of... I think Emmett shot the ball pretty well from outside, too. Yeah, in Emmett... his first few years of Providence. Emmett did. Yeah, you know, we struggled a little bit this year, but he struggled... You know, it was to be expected. The guy doesn't play really for three years. How can you expect well, him yeah. to come back and just all of a sudden try to start putting the ball on the hoop the way that he once did? Yeah, exactly. With that being said, please, don't mean... You know, Emmett was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Time of PC. I know, but I'm just saying, I I feel like those were, like, two of our only big men that were ever really capable of shooting the three-pointer. It would be nice to add, you know, a piece like that to that PC offense. We haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, but, you know, getting back to what we were just talking about, though, they need a big guy coming in. That's for sure. And, you know, they're looking at Dylan Cardwell, 6'10", 220. Right now, he's listed as a two-star recruit. But... You know, you never know. The kid the kid I was just talking about, Gabe Whitsnister, he's 6'11", 240, shoots from the outside. For and 2021. For 2021. So you're looking at him coming in, potentially, and making an immediate impact. Yeah. Right off the bat. South Carolina. Yeah. He's from South Carolina. It's his hometown. He goes to Hargrave Military Academy. For those of you uh, following us that would like to follow him. Yeah. As he embarks on his journey. Uh, the other schools that send him are some in encouraging on him, tweets to yeah of course <laughs> of course I'm sure he I'm sure I coolly wouldn't mind that but you know the, he 
PC is not the only school that's in on Wayne Nancy. DePaul is. Just in St. John's, just from the Big USF, East USF, LSU, Clemson. George Washington. Penn State. Old Dominion. Iona. Mr. Patino. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never know. TCU, Nebraska. There's some decent schools there competing with PC, and a lot of what it could come down to is PC's got the minutes for him to offer him. Well, good on the addition. I guess it's a bright spot and a rough week, especially here in Friartown. It's crazy that we're sitting here and, um, you know, have no Friar basketball to talk about. Tough pod, but, you know, tough week. But stick with us. We'll be there throughout the rest of the year. For Matt Shaker, I'm Nate Correll. Let's go Friars. Friar pot out, baby.